focusing on giving today, on stewardship in particular, though we have missions giving and giving to retire the, the debt on the sanctuary and from time to time giving to the deacons fund to provide for needs here in the church. Why are we focusing on giving at all and in particular giving to the general fund? Well, one reason is God says quite a bit about giving and about financial stewardship. So we need to hear what God says about tithing as well as giving over and above the tithe. And secondly, at the, the beginning weeks of the new year, it's a great time to review and to, to reevaluate our giving pattern. I've done that, even though I left home this morning and forgot my tithe check, and I'm preaching on tithing, and I thought there's no way in the world I can preach on tithing and not have a check to put in the offering plate, but I had a spare check in my wallet. <laughs> That's just funny. I felt so crazy for doing that. But it's a great time of the year to evaluate, to review our giving patterns. But thirdly, God has blessed this church financially over the years and blessed us in every other way. But our general fund giving pattern is on decline. And the session, and I'm included in that, we just simply like to address this with you uh, today. Now hear God's word from the prophet Malachi chapter 3 verses 6 through 12. For I the Lord do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you. And pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you. So that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven starting with me and everyone here today it's very likely that we have struggled in this area of tithing and giving over and above the tithe to your causes and so today as fellow pilgrims and sojourners who are brought into your family by your love and under your commands Open our hearts to see what you have said to us through the prophet Malachi. And so give us grace that we might be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a wealthy parishioner that came to his pastor's office and said, Pastor, I've got to talk with you. The pastor said, sure, come on in. And so the parishioner came and sat down and the pastor said, hey, what's what's going on? And this is what the man said, I cannot afford to tithe. 
And the pastor was thinking, you've got to be kidding me. You're the wealthiest man in the church and maybe even in the town. This guy was probably a millionaire. So the pastor said, please explain. (laughs) And the guy said, hey, listen, pastor, when I was first starting out in my career, I made such a meager salary that 10% of that little sum of money really didn't amount to too much. And even though it was tight in our budget and we we struggled, yet I was able to give that little 10% of my gross income to the Lord. And yeah, it impacted us, but it it really wasn't all that bad. But but God, get this, but God has blessed me. (laughs) And he has made me very successful in business. And I have all this wealth. And do you know what 10% of all my wealth is every year? It is such a large sum of money, I cannot afford to give it in a tithe. And then he asked this question to the pastor, what do I do? I'm going to end with what the pastor did. But I want us to reflect upon that question, what do I do with regards to tithing? Have you found yourself asking that, that very question, what do I do in light of my practice of and pattern in giving uh, to the Lord? I think it's a great question for us to ask today and to reflect upon as we consider this important uh, topic of tithing. And what's interesting... Uh, you know, I, I've asked that question. I've asked it recently. What am I to do? Well, here, <laughs> I'm not like the wealthy man. My problem has never been I have too much money. I can't afford to tithe. My problem has been, which I suspect is our collective problem, I have too little money. <laughs> what do I do with regards to tithing and giving over and above uh, the tithe to the other funds and causes? of of God's kingdom here in the church. And so God, speaking through the prophet, encourages his people to return to him so that they can be faithful as givers in in his uh, kingdom. And we want to look at three things today. On page 6, you'll you'll see the sermon outline. And, And I see in this passage of Malachi three things that God is telling us today God is also answering the question, what do I do? What are we to do in light of our financial stewardship? And the first thing is, look to God's precepts, His will, His word. What is God's will with respect to our giving? And then secondly, from Malachi, God tells us, you will experience a problem in tithing. It's a common problem. And it's not a problem of dollars and cents. It's a problem of the human heart. And God, through the prophet Malachi, rebukes his people because of this problem. But then we also see, in light of what God has called us to do, these precepts and the problem that we all, or most of us at least, encounter. No, I'd say we all encounter that there's power for tithing. And that power is not our financial ability. That power is God the Father, 
God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we need to look to Jesus. We need to look to God's Word. We need to look to our heart. And we need to look to Jesus. That's it. Well, let's have the benediction. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. We'll go on. But that's the sermon today. Now, the precept. Look at, look at verse 8 and look at verse 10. In verse 8, we find that their tithes and contributions are mentioned. And then in verse 10, we find God saying, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. So what, what God is doing through Malachi is giving us his will, his precepts with regards to tithing and giving over and above the tithe in these contributions and various offerings. So let me ask this question. How far does the practice of tithing go back? I can tell you how far it goes back. It goes back into the ancient world. Ancient cultures practice some form of tithing, not like the Israelites, but in some way. But we know in Genesis 14 and Genesis 28 that both Abraham and Jacob respectively practiced tithing. So we know it goes back in the Scriptures before Israel became a nation at the foot of Mount Sinai. So what is tithing? I think we have that answer here in the Scriptures as well. Deuteronomy 8, Deuteronomy 14, Leviticus 27, the Israelites were commanded to tithe these things, or to tithe all of their wealth, including grain, wine, olive oil, fruit, the firstborn of the cattle, and the sheep. And the Hebrew word translated tithe simply means a tenth part. It is the, the, the concept that, that God, God has given all of this to us, and we are to give back to Him at least a tenth part. And let me mention this, a tenth part of the gross income. I know some of you are thinking, hmm, gross net? I'm thinking the bigger part. And I say that because I've thought that too. (laughs) So where is the tithe to be directed? We see in verse 10, God through Malachi tells us that that this tithe is to be deposited in the storehouse that God says in verse 10 is in my house. So the storehouse is part of God's house. So technically, the tithe and these contributions are directed to God's house that later became the tent of meeting, that later became the tabernacle, that later became the temple, that later became the church, that is the church uh, today. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, there's wives are commanded to, to bring offerings, sacrifices, tithes, contributions to the place that God chose for his worship. That was the tent of meeting that ultimately became the temple. And we see the church being that today. You know, here's the principle here. And I, I, I want to be careful because, as Bill says, the giving church, and I know that, that you're giving uh, to the church, you're giving to all sorts of worthy causes. And there are many worthy causes for Christ around the world. But it's hard to get around the precept, what God says, is that at least the tithe and, their, and also contributions are directed to my church, not parachurch primarily. It's not saying we can't give the parachurch. It's not saying we can't give to other missionaries outside of 
what our church is supporting. But the principle is clear. The direction of, the, the primary direction of our giving is to be my house, says the Lord. That may step on some of your toes, and I don't mean to step on your toes, but I'm bound to preach God's word as God has given us his word. And in my reading of scripture, the principle is clear. Well, what purpose then does God have for the tithe and these contributions being given to his house? We see it in verse 10. Bring the contributions, bring the tithes into the storehouse of the temple. And then he gives us the reason in verse 10. That there may be food in my house. And we find in Numbers chapter 18, for example, that, that, that the tithe and offerings were brought into the storehouse so that the, the priest and those who were uh, part of, of the, the, the tabernacle and the temple could have food to eat and the resources they needed to lead in the service of God there in the temple. And so we can think of the storehouse being the fund from which all that is necessary for God's house to be about his worship and ministry in the world. That's where the funding for that comes from, this storehouse. And I would suggest to you that the modern-day storehouse is the general fund of a church, and in particular, our church here at Covenant. Out of the general fund... We are able to fund not only the salaries for the, the staff here so that we can keep our doors open and pay our bills, but we fund benevolence ministries. I would, we um, approve the budget in December of every year, and we make it available to you. I wrote about that in a recent pastor's perspective. You want a copy of the budget? This is how you get a copy of the budget. If you've not seen our budget, I would, I would encourage you to, to get the 2016 budget for the purpose of hopefully not scrutinizing it and telling us don't spend money here, don't spend money there. But if you see something, let us know. But just for you to have an idea of all the things that your church funds so that we can worship God, so that we can serve God here, and that we can have a ministry uh, to the world. And as you look at that, that budget, you will see how important it really is for God's people to bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, that there may be provisions and resources in my house for my worship and my ministry to take place. But is there more to financial stewardship than just simply at least 10%? Notice in verse 8, it's not just the full tithe, but also that is the tithe and then the full tithe in verse 10, but also other contributions. The late Larry Burkett, who was a Christian financial uh, resource that was very, very helpful, calculated somehow that the average Israelite in the Old Testament gave 22 and a third percent of all of his wealth uh, to the Lord every single year in tithe, in uh, money, special offerings to care for the poor, and guilt offerings, and grain offerings, and wood uh, for the fire there at the temple so sacrifices could be made, 22 and a third percent. In other words, in the Old Testament, we see tithing, at least a tithe, plus over and above giving. 
to the cause of God's work. In the New Testament, we see no evidence that Jesus abrogated the tithe. What we see is Jesus rebuking the Pharisees for pharisaical or legalistic tithing, that is, tithing with the wrong motive, tithing outwardly and publicly so they would look good, they would build their reputations. But in the New Testament, we, we see the tithe and we see the fact of over and above giving and proportional giving and sacrificial giving being emphasized. It's emphasized in the Old Testament, but it's also emphasized in the New Testament as well. And I just want to read a couple of brief passages. First, from 2 Corinthians 8, 3. Here we find there's a problem in Jerusalem, and the saints in Jerusalem were suffering, and they needed resources, and the call went out, and the Christians in Macedonia gave money to be taken to Jerusalem to help their brothers in Jerusalem. And we read this in verse eight, uh, chapter 8 and verse 3. Paul saying, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. They gave out of their poverty. They gave what they didn't have to give, sacrificial giving, over and above giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, Paul challenges the Corinthians to give like the Macedonians. And he says this, But as you excel in everything in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in, in our love for you, see that you excel in the act of this grace also, that is the grace of giving like the Macedonians, over and above, sacrificial and then we find this principle that Carl read earlier from 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We give proportionate to how God has blessed us, and we give with a cheerful heart. God's precept, God's will, God's word on financial stewardship is for his people to bring at least the full tithe into the storehouse, but more to give over and above, sacrificially, proportionally, cheerfully to the work of his kingdoms. God has blessed this church with funds to support missionary, with funds to have this beautiful sanctuary, with, with funds to provide for needs, I think Covenant gave, I, I want to say, uh, close to, it was a large sum of money from the Deacons Fund last year to help needs in our church and our community. That's what we need to do. We need to be like the Macedonians, giving to serve. But is it easy? A mother wanted to teach her daughter a moral lesson. And so mom said to daughter, this little girl, honey, here's a dollar bill. And here's a nice shiny quarter. And at church today, when the offering plate comes around, I want you to put one of these in the offering plate, and you decide, and then I want you to keep the other one. And so they you know, went to Sunday school, and then they went to worship, and then as they were walking out, the mother asked the little girl, Honey, which one did you put in the offering plate? The little girl said, Well, when that, that man in the pulpit... Um, was talking, he said that we are to give cheerfully. And so when, when those guys passed that plate around, 
I put the quarter in the offering plate because I was more cheerful keeping the dollar. Funny story, but does it ever bring up a real heart issue? The problem with giving is not giving, it's the heart. The problem with giving is not the budget, it's the heart. If you were to take the checkbook, and maybe you don't use checkbook, so take the bank statement and look at what you spend money on, and look at what I spend money on, that should show us where our loves are focused. Every problem in giving is ultimately one of the heart. It was true in Malachi's day. Look at verses 7 and 9. Israel's forefathers and the whole nation had had turned from God. The, the forefathers in the past, the people there in Micah's day had turned, and God comes to them and says, you have turned from, I have not turned from you, but you have turned from me. And, and what did God use to, to show that the people had turned from him, not only outwardly, but in their hearts, tithing, or rather neglecting the tithe. And so he says, that you have loved or you have failed, neglected the tithe. And then he speaks about curse, that they are under a curse. And then he calls them to bring the full tithe out of love and a cheerful heart to the storehouse. Now, likely the Israelites probably were giving some, but probably their neglect of tithing was looking at tithing more as a tip than a tithe. I'll give a little something just to to ease my conscience and maybe kind of tip God off a little bit so he won't get, get too mad at me. But here's the issue. God says, give me my due, and anything less than that is robbing me. That's a serious charge, isn't it, that God levels against his people. And here's, here's the real issue. What is God's due? Is God's due 10% of our resources? Outwardly, yes. But here's the real due. Here's the real payment. Here's the real giving that God requires. It is simply this, and hear me now, 100% of our hearts. That really is the issue with financial stewardship. Is God, am I fully devoted to God 100% in my heart? And in that sense, what the level of giving is, is almost secondary to this primary issue of giving being about the heart, because that was the problem in Malachi's day. This is why God spoke through Malachi, because the people had turned to love other things, idols, false religions, false gods themselves, and and that resulted in outwardly neglecting loving God with their tithe. They were robbing him, God says. In verse 6, we, we, we find God never changes, says God, through uh, 
Malachi. God remains committed not to his people, but the problem is God's people in their hearts tend to turn from him over and over again. Now listen, financial stewardship can be kind of deceptive. Think of the Pharisees. They outwardly, they, they gave that 10% and more, so outwardly they looked pious, but they gave with the wrong motive. And so, so their giving really represented false piety. They really didn't love God. They loved themselves, and they wanted to build their reputation. But we can also fail to, to give God's due to him out of a heart that is bent towards self and other things and be like the people in Malachi's day. And so our giving may not necessarily depict that our heart is 100% in love with God. But I will say this, if our hearts are not in 100% love of God, it will show up in our giving pattern by neglecting the tithe, by neglecting over and above giving to missions and, and other causes within the church. Now today, you're probably thinking, there may be some here today that are really struggling financially, and they're listening to this, and perhaps you're saying, yeah, that sounds like God's word to me, and, and I, believe, I believe Tim's on track, but if we were to, to start giving 10% today, I mean, we would, we, we'd be in financial ruin. Hear me, I appreciate that uh, from experience. But this is what I want to say. Giving is ultimately an issue of the heart. You turn to Jesus, repent, turn back to him as we all need to do, and ask him to enable you to incrementally give more towards that type. It may take five years, but one way to do it is, is not to be bound up legally, but to say, you know what, this year, right now I'm giving 5%, I'm going to give 6%, I'm going to trust God for 6%. And maybe next year I'll be able to give 8%. Maybe the $30, I'll be up at 10%. In other words, don't hear what I'm saying today as, as some legalistic formula. Hear what I'm saying today is that the gospel impacts our giving. And God's grace is sufficient to deal with us right where we are and to love us regardless of what we give, to bring us back to Him, to make us fully devoted to Him. And if we do that, even though it's incrementally, it will be reflected in our giving pattern. I hope you understand what I'm saying today. But now I want to just simply turn to this. The last point is their power to turn back to God and power for tithing. You know, when, when, we, when we realize that maybe we're not giving because we've got too much money, maybe we're not giving because we have too little money, maybe we are giving but we have the wrong motive, that's just as difficult when we acknowledge that and we turn back to Jesus and seek him, not to primarily help us adjust our budget, but the, the main thing is to seek Jesus to change our hearts, then we begin to have the power, the ability to give. And his power is not from within, it's from without. 
We are strengthened as we turn to Jesus to know this, that God owns everything, that God is the creator and sustainer, Genesis 1 and 2, that he entrusts all sorts of wonderful gifts to us, money, material possessions, family, and all of these we're to use to meet our needs, to enjoy, uh, to fund his work, and he asks us to give back a portion to him to say thanks. We're strengthened in, in, in this principle that the giver is to be motivated by gratitude. The songs that we've sung, the scriptures that we've sung, the words of confession that, that we've expressed all remind us of all that Jesus has done for you and me, all that he has given us. And so when we recognize that and we give that, it's a way for us to, to be grateful. And so every time I drop my check in the offering plate, it is an opportunity to me to simply say, thank you, God, for all that you've done for me. And with joy and cheerfulness, I express my gratitude with this tithe and offering. And then the attitude for the giver is joy, cheerful giving. Not like the little girl, here's my 25 cents. <laughs> no, really, it should be $1.25, right? That's what the Macedonians did. Think of the poor widow in Mark chapter 12. She gave two small copper coins, all she had. She put there in, in the offering box at the temple, at the storehouse there at, at, at the temple. When we receive Jesus' powerful, life-changing work of grace, he makes us a new person. And we're really living, fully devoted to him. And we're, we're depending upon him day by day. The most natural thing for us to do that is absolutely anathema to the world is to give at least 10% and over and above giving to say thank you for all that you've done for me. With a cheerful, joyful heart. And then the power. In light of these principles, in the light of all that we've, we've said today, where is the power for tithing? Look at verse 10. God, God tells us to give the full tithe. And then he says this, which is really bizarre. And put me to the test. You go, wait a minute. I didn't think we were supposed to test God. God says, test me. What is he saying here? Is God saying, if you give X, I'll bless X? Kind of tit for tat? No, that's not what God is saying. What God is saying by put me to the test is simply this. Trust and obey and I will fulfill every covenant promise that I have for you. What God is doing in, in a way that kind of shocks us, tests me, what do you, to get us to think, is he's really pointing to his faithfulness. You tithe and give as I command, and I will come and bless. And that blessing might be struggling financially, but yet in that struggle, we're drawn closer to God in greater dependence upon God, and we grow spiritually. He will be faithful to us. He will pour out his covenant blessings upon us. And our role is to give with a cheerful and joyful heart as God has prescribed. Trust Jesus, obey God's word, and enjoy his blessings is what God says at the end of Malachi. And Jesus said this, but seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Well, I just want to wrap this up and just remind us of the old wealthy fellow that went in to talk to his pastor where he said, I have too much money, I can't afford to tithe. And the pastor said, and he said, what do I do? Well, here's what the pastor did. He said, brother, let's pray. You don't need to bow your heads. But, but this is what the pastor prayed. He prayed this. I feel weird praying with my eyes open. But anyway, and looking at you, looking at me. But this is what he prayed. Dear Lord, I thank you for my brother. His heart's in the right place. He wants to be faithful to you in tithing. I know he loves you. But he's expressed to me a real struggle. He makes too much money to be faithful to you in the tithe. And, oh, Lord, he desires so. His heart is bent towards being faithful to you. And, oh, God, I pray that you would work even today to reduce his income to the level where he can once again be faithful to tithe. In Jesus' name and for his glory and for my brother's spiritual good. Amen. We can't afford not to tithe. To do anything less is robbing God and doing real spiritual harm to our souls. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, bless, bless us here at Covenant. Lord, I, I know these people, and, and I know their heart's in the right place. I, I know, Lord, we as a congregation, we want to be faithful to you, but the realities of life are tough, and it was so in Malachi's day, it was so in Abraham's day, it's true today, and yet, Lord, we just simply can't get around what your word says, and so we admit our problem of our heart, we might have all the money in the world to tithe, and we might tithe to the wrong motive, we might have all the money in the world to tithe, and we simply don't tithe because we're buying other things, we may not have hardly anything, and we don't tithe because we fear, and these are real issues, Lord, but Father, there's power in tithing, and it's, it's Jesus And so, Jesus, we ask you to work in our hearts first and foremost. And, Lord, that we would would be 100% devoted to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. By your grace and mercy, that might be reflected in our checkbooks. We love you, and we ask you to work in us for Jesus' sake and for the furtherance of his kingdom. Amen. Our closing hymn is hymn number 432, We Give Thee But That On. Please stand.